Thanks for listening to this Word in Your Ear podcast. If you'd like to get early access to all our productions ad-free, priority booking for our live events, and to take part in our weekly quiz, go to patreon.com slash wordinyourear for more details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This podcast is brought to you by The Word magazine, media partner of Latitude Festival 2010. You're listening to a podcast no, no, from the woods. A Cypriot plowman's, whatever, whatever that you know. Cypriot plowman's lunch. Yeah, with Cypriot sort of halloumi, and for three pound fifty, I was thinking maybe nice. after this. He's trying to get a mental image of a Cypriot plowman. It's a bloke that's like he's mostly horizontal you know, in, in, in a field somewhere, with an enormous flagon of red wine. You know the, <laughs> the uh, fish. You know the derivation of the the, the, the expression plowman's lunch. Cool. It was made up. It was made it's up. Made up by an agency, place. wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah. No really? Plan. Yes. Uh, because somebody, they made a film, didn't they? There was a, a very good uh, British feature film made in the early 80s, I think, called The Plowman's Lunch. That's right. And one of his themes was the kind of invention of tradition. Right. And uh, The Plowman's Lunch was just somebody, somebody uh, you know, working for a brewery or whatever, needed a way to make bread and cheese sound exciting and authentic. Right. And <laughs> but if you think about it, if you, how long would the average 16th century plowman I'm like, how much ploughing would you have done? <laughs> Fueled by a very stale baguette made by an English person. I don't think you had Johnny Baguette in there. There's probably no Johnny actually, Baguette, you know, no. A small piece of, of mousetrap and, and one silver... There might be some gruel. I'm not even sure he'd get a lunch break. No, he, no, he wouldn't get a lunch no. break. No, no. He wouldn't. He didn't do a lot He'd of that. He'd be thrashed no, with an inch of his life. Yeah. <laughs> I had lunch on my plough today. But <laughs> 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 didn't go, yeah, didn't go on Google during lunch hour. Now, are we recording? We, we are. have to give an idea to, to Robert about what we want to do. Um, we, we normally do about half an hour. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we're going to talk a bit about your, your, uh, your little tour. Yep, yep, here, yep, yep, yep. Uh, and your book, and your uh, writing, and oh. um, and anything else that happens to come up. Okay, there are also some interesting musical anniversaries and so forth. But it's incredibly free and easy. Okay, we don't edit. You know, whatever. Just, just so for libel. Carry on bad language. Carrot cake. <laughs> See, I love that because you're not allowed to do that on radio. No. If you take a bite of a biscuit on on Radio Four or something, really, they'd have a word with you, wouldn't they? Quite they a stiff would, word. They wouldn't ask unless you that. unless you're a cricket commentator. Where, of course, you have to <laughs> yes. uh, stuff a piece of Victoria sponge in your mouth before you say anything at all. It's part of the joke. So uh, here we are. It's the Work Podcast. Uh, special guest, all the way from Australia, Robert Forster. Robert! And Robert's, Robert's finishing his carrot cake at yeah. this point, saying this, I may not talk for a moment. Uh, and I don't know how you as an Australian take to the news that uh, your near neighbours, uh, New Zealand, have actually, according to the Duckworth-Lewis method, they've actually won the World Cup this they morning. They've won the World Cup. They've yeah. won the World Cup. This is what we're saying. Because they're how the does only... that work in the Duckworth- This is the way it works. Um, they're the only side to have gone through the whole World Cup without being defeated. Oh, yeah. right. They had, what is it, two nil-nils, one-one-one? Yep, and only three games, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Spain lost the first game. These, these pretenders who were, yeah. who were given this bauble last night are actually following this news this morning <laughs> going to have to take a boat yeah. out to New Zealand and hand it over. trail between the legs yeah. and they hand it over to the true winners exactly. who are yeah. a bunch of Kiwi bank clots. The all-whites. <laughs> the all-whites. Did you know that the, New Zealand, the New Zealand basketball team are called the Tall Blacks? Yes, we've had all this. Uh, the New Zealand uh, 
Uh, we're a netball team called the Silver Ferns. Okay. Uh, we had further. Uh, we had more than Tall Blacks. We had some other ones. I can't remember. Never mind. Anyway, do you, do you follow the World Cup at all? Oh yes, yeah, 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 yeah. No, and um, and New Zealand was getting very positive courage, uh, mm. coverage, yeah, even from the Australian yeah, press. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we're good. Quite surprising. What well, do you do? You, do, well, you, do, you, do you look press. at New Zealanders as a plucky kind of outsider? <laughs> no, no. See, I I have always had a very um, positive attitude towards New Zealanders. You know, the media stoke it. I, I think Australians are actually quite, you know, benign. You know, it doesn't bother them too I, much. I get that impression too. But I think it gets it gets pushed a lot. And um, um, but no, I've always I've been to New Zealand a number of times. Love it. Right. Yeah. But the Australian the, the, media. the rivalry is is. I don't know if it's exaggerated, but I, but I feel you know comfortable with it. The Australian media have a habit of of uh, promoting the New Zealand origins of people they consider mm. behaving badly and mm. failed, mm. and throwing an arm around New Zealanders who appear to be doing something special. Do uh, Where does Russell Crowe suddenly Russell, currently stand in the yes, Russell Crowe he changes. If Russell Crowe yeah, goes yeah. to an award ceremony and yeah. punches somebody. <laughs> we say that legally. Let me catch it. Oh, then he's certainly <laughs> Then suddenly he's a New Zealander again, isn't he? Well, no, no, but he's an Australian again. Oh, oh okay. No. Yeah, love oh, it, love it. Very, very. Punches very thrown. Blood. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, you know oh, that, that's, that. that is a that's, that's true Australian. Yeah, behavior. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's when he gets quiet him. and arty. That, yes, that's, that's when true. people get worried about him. Yeah, when he takes up sketching or something. Yeah, yeah. Then suddenly he's New Zealander. <laughs> So, Robert, you're here for a, a whistle-stop tour. Yeah, here uh, for a week. And I, I'm going to read out your dates because they're intriguing. Yeah. You're playing, you're playing tomorrow night at the Jazz Cafe yeah. in Camden Town. Yeah. And you're doing, I think I've got this right, 15 songs about London. Yes, I am. Go on. Now, see, us. I'm glad that that's got out because I'm going to walk on stage and say that tomorrow night. And <laughs> I don't know how much it's been in the advertising. Right. Um, but, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. So, it's, so how's that working? Go on. Well, what it does is 15... So I did this... Um, I was in the Sydney Writers' Festival about two months ago. I had, had a show there, and I thought about... Unfortunately, I thought of it too late, because it's a good promotional thing. Um, but I said 15 songs about Sydney. And it's songs that um, I wrote in Sydney, um, recorded in Sydney. And once you start to look into that... My, like, there was one song called Born to a Family... My parents were married in Sydney, so I could play that song because it relates to my parents in a way. And so it's songs, like 15 songs about London is um, songs I've written here, songs that might have a lyrical reference. Um, um, so I do one song that's by a London group. What do you do? Oh, I was going to say, well, yeah, do, you want to, do you want to yeah. reveal the, you know, the secrets or are you going to change your mind between No, no, I won't change my mind. Um, but I... Um, uh, so I do a, a London band, um, and and like the Go-Betweens lived here for five years. So there's a That's lot, right, of course. a lot from '82 to '87, and we recorded albums here. So there's a lot of material that right. I've actually recorded in London. Um, and it's just, and it's just once you look into it, the London keeps weaving back into my career, and so it's just a really great way of presenting something different, right? And connecting the city that I'm actually in you know, like now, you know, on stage, with my career. And also connecting the audience. Yeah, yeah, because I... Because they're there. I know, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and why not? You know? I know. I and all shows should be like this. And I, I talk about, you know, where, where I lived, you know, moved around London, different places I lived, where I wrote songs there. Um, it, it just surprised, it surprises me how much connection you can get through songs to the city they're recorded in or written in. It's very, very strong. So, because the following night you're playing with Richard Hawley in mm. Milton Keynes, yeah, yeah. and I, I um, solicited uh, questions from people All prior right. to this podcast. All right. And what about C- the number of songs you've written about Milton Keynes? C- this, is, this, is, this is it. CCPSL says you're doing, you know, 15 songs about London on Tuesday night. Are you doing 15 songs about Milton Keynes at the stables? And I would say it's a bit of a challenge. <laughs> a big challenge. Do you know this venue? Uh, which venue? What is the venue? It's not it's the big one. No, the stable. I know the town. I don't know the, ve- the, the venue. Okay, all right. Yeah. The town is a, is a bit of a. It's an enigma, isn't it's it? An, it's Milton. infamous. Oh right. It's infamous for being <laughs> it's a new town. effectively a new town. Right. It was yeah. a greenfield site. Up well, it was an old village, wasn't there? I yeah. Think. Right. But now they built a load of roundabouts around it, didn't they? Right. You know, yeah. It's a load of roundabouts, and uh, you know people live there, and uh, I'm sure it'll. They, you know, you'll get a good crowd. Brand new, very efficient town. Right. Like Brasilia. 
All right, OK. <laughs> Except it's not the seat of government. No. Not as far as I'm aware. We don't want to oversell this. Although <laughs> yeah. Canberra, but, you know, it's a good All right, place OK. Without so the seat the, of government. Then on the 15th, yeah. uh, you're doing, on Thursday night, you're doing yeah. Latitude. Yes. Which uh, we're involved in. Will you be there Thursday night, Mike? Uh, I don't think I will, actually. Oh, right, OK, uh, we'll get uh, there maybe, Friday. Maybe I should. Right. Yeah. <laughs> which, okay. which, 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 where, where are you playing? Latitude? The, um, the um, literature... Oh, literature, uh, oh, right. yes. Right. Oh, okay. Nine o'clock on Thursday night. Right. Um, so if you're there, make a point. Yep, might play a few songs. Um, I think the music starts on Friday. Yeah, Is yeah. Is that right? Like yeah, Friday, yes. Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and um, I'm looking forward to this because I've, I've never obviously done this festival before, new, and um, probably never been to this part of the country before either. Right, right. What's and it like down there? Terrific. It's fantastic. I have been selling this very strongly in the magazine as being right. South Bank on Sea. Right. Okay. Which is a little phrase that I've made up. I'm rather pleased with that, you know. It's like the Plowman's Lunch. <laughs> this is like the There's South Bank on Sea, London's South Bank. Got, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, to, I know, uh, I know, I know. The I know, attractive coastal uh, yeah. district of Suffolk. Yeah. And it's gorgeous, actually. Well, this is Henham Park. Is absolutely, we're doing the Lambert here, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Listeners, it's sold out tragically. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, really? Yeah, it's oh, sold, yeah. sold out it's a long time ago. ago. Partly, yeah, yeah. I think, because they've got a new media partner with enormous promotional muscle. Yes, that's us. <laughs> called The Word magazine. Yeah. Yes. We've been quacking on yeah, about this very volumely. And now they're suddenly successful. Now they're a success. All and the weather's going to be good this time as well. Yeah, we you know, well, the weather's been yeah, good right. in previous years. Yeah, yeah. Because traditionally, that side of the country, there's the argument, gets better weather. Oh, right, than right. the west side of the country. But so there's, 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 there's uh, psychedelic sheep, which you must look out for. There's a flock oh, of right. sheep there oh, who right. have been dyed. Right. Uh, in vegetable dye, harmless vegetable dye, listeners, uh, and they're all orange and green oh, and right. blue and stuff. And, and, a, and a woodland for little fairy sort of nooks and dells. Oh, really? Tiny little stages all lit up. And stuff. It's fantastic, actually. So you're really there good. Thursday night and then leave on yeah. Friday? Um, yes. Yeah. You won't see many of the dells and <laughs> nooks. Well, I might, like I might go out there. Yeah. You might do that. Yeah, yeah. And then on the Friday, you're at Rough Trade East, uh, playing Brick in Lane. the shop down in Brick Lane. Yeah, yeah. So, six, you know, there's... 6.30. There's it's a very six, week, isn't it? It's... It, I think that's really... Don't you like doing that kind of thing? I love it. I love it. And I, I think... rather do that kind of odd assortment yeah. of things rather than just go the tour where you do exactly. the same thing. Well, yeah. I think there's two things I haven't got a band with me, which I think immediately, you know, versatile versatile and the book you know and that's yes. going to get you out of the uh, rock pop field right yeah, yeah and so yeah so i end up with doing things like that which i've been doing for about oh, a couple last couple of years in so, australia so no disrespect to any former band members but is it a relief sometimes to not have a band you wrote a, a wonderful well, there was a wonderful interview mm. with you in, yeah. in, the, in the word about right. uh six months ago marvelous she yeah did february and, thank you uh, yeah sorry wasn't it was it you <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You can tell the two parties yeah, both yeah, how yeah. well they both did. How well they both done. Yeah, <laughs> I love them. And, yes, and, yes. and uh, we well, talked about the, the dynamics of being, yeah. being in bands with great, uh, oh, great deal of wisdom and, 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 and humour. Thank, thank you. So is it, is, it, is it quite liberating to be on your own? It is. It is. I think it's liberating um, to have moved, first of all, to sometimes not be in a band after being in a band a long time and also getting out of... I'm starting to be a music critic, you know, yes, like uh, you know, in print, minute, yeah. you know, in, in my late 40s when I yeah. started. And because, um, you know, like there's, there's thousands of uh, singer-songwriters in the world, but there's only a certain amount that are also writing music criticism or put a book out, you know, yeah. with their collective music criticism. So it's suddenly you go from a field of thousands down to a field of <laughs> one. Yes. Or, or five. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It, it's suddenly... Is there anybody else who does this? <laughs> I don't know. There I... must be somebody. <laughs> um, so that's good, because it just sort of... It puts me into a world also that I've always wanted to be in, in a way, but I could never get to. You know, like, out of music. You know, I've, I've always been more... When I go to a town, I always go to... And this is, like, started when I, when I was in my 20s. I always went to the bookshop first, and then I went to the record shop. Right. Which has always been just my way of operating. And uh, so having a book out and starting to write and be published gets me into that world that I've always felt probably a little bit more affinity with all along, right. in a way, you know, without wishing to... So you, you, were, you were born to play the literary tent, in fact, <laughs> no, rather I, than the obelisk I, arena. No, no, no <laughs> I, I, I don't want to jump on my, you know, rock and roll roots too heavy. You know, like, I, you know, I'm a singer-songwriter, I've been in rock band you know like I, I love it but it, it I feel comfortable is what I'm trying to say you know as things broaden I feel good with it and presumably if you want to do something now you just 
you do it. You don't have to go and have a meeting with anybody. No, no, no. And I can come up with concepts like 15 songs about uh, oh, no. London. You know, I could... Which, within a band, somebody would have knocked it down. With... You know, they, they would have knocked it down or it would be, oh, my God, we've got to learn these songs. <laughs> yeah, which, 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 which we haven't, you know... What like about the, the bass player song? We'll have one by the past Am I not in this? Yeah. We're some rubbish shots here. Yeah. That's so true. Yeah, I mean, bands, I mean, especially ones that have been going for a a while have the 40 or 50 songs that they play from the back catalogue all the time you know and it gets juggled a little bit but but being by myself and be able to do have a concept like this means i don't have to convince people or the whole band doesn't you know we have to be learning stuff from 981 or finding this and you know like doing that i right. can just sort of rehearse my you know why don't you do as a song why don't okay. you do as a tune that you're maybe going to do tomorrow night without giving um, away too many secrets? Um, oh, well, do what you like. <laughs> uh, We're not paying you, do what you feel. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I'll, um... Oh, gee, um... Okay. Yeah, it's called, um... It's called Love is a Sign. Um, it's from 1987, and um, this is a song that I'll play... If I get it wrong, we can't edit it. <laughs> no, no editing. <laughs> I'm ten feet underwater, standing in a sunken canoe, looking up at the water lilies, they're green and violet blue. And still the sun it shines, it throws a light on me, still the sun it finds. That it's warm beside me Green and violet blue No matter what you say No matter what you do I want to be the one Love is a sign These letters that we're writing Baby, they just break our hearts When we get back together again There's just no time to start Time to restore It's all on the ground What you've been doing Against what I've found This is what I've found No matter what you say No matter what you do I want to be the one Loves a sign I'm not a playboy or a poet There's no cool water from the well I wish you had a big house And that your work would start to sell Wave after wave Attention and our tenderness Wave after wave Attention and our tenderness What you say, no matter what you do, I want to be the one loves the sign. I know I'll see you again. The world's just too big or too small, and I won't be the madman then. It'll be me that has come to call. Me in freezing weather, snow cuffs on my wrist. Down by the river And London no longer exists This is what I found No matter what you say No matter what you do I want to be the one Loves the sign No matter what you say No matter what you do I want to be the one Loves the sign Beautiful. That tremendously loud accompaniment of the Forster right foot. Yeah. <laughs> I I'm, I'm John Lee Hooker used to carry around <laughs> a bit of wood, didn't he? The special platform. I six D. What's he call it? The Tennessee Rhythm Box or something. He's got some old crate. Well, it just bashes with his right foot. <laughs> yeah. Well, isn't that uh, what's that's a terrific it, song? Oh, thank you. It hasn't um, 
C60, doesn't he do that too? Has he, has he got a bit of a... Yeah, 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 yeah. I can't remember what he calls it. It's called something like... He's got a name for it. It's called something like the, the, you know, the mm. Mississippi Rhythm Box or something. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. And yep. he can, you know, he can nail down the attention of up to oh. 50,000 people at mm. uh, outdoor festivals. Mm. You know, I've seen him, you know, uh. just him, a three-string, I think a three-string guitar and uh, an old crate that he sort of kicks with his foot. <laughs> well, that's got to save money on equipment. <laughs> it's, 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 it's not the Pink Floyd and I'm a gummer, is it? <laughs> the Word. A magazine, a website, a podcast, a way of life. Now, when I talked to you six months ago, whenever it was, it was about your, your book, The Rules of Rock and Roll, yeah. which just come out mm. in this country in a special edition mm. with, with a CD or an EP yeah. where you uh, record versions of mm. some of the songs that you, you talked about in there. But the, 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 kind of the, the feature that gives the collection its name is, mm. is a bunch of principles about yeah. the observations about rock and roll based on having been in bands for ages mm. and uh, which uh, you know pe- people found very stimulating i think mm. because it was it was uh, fine it felt to be written by somebody who's finally free from having mm. groups uh, it, being in groups and having to be mm. politically correct about yeah. being in a group and one of the things i think you said was that uh, i can't remember the actual quote that but but most performances by groups you've heard it all in the first 15 minutes mm. go on tell us a bit more about that well i think um I've, I find as an audience member that um, I think bands after 15, 20 minutes exhaust themselves with what they can do. Do you know what I mean? I think rock and roll is primarily about impact, you know, whether you're doing the stadium or the club. And uh, I think that, that uh, I've, I've never, I can't remember really when I've been, and this is not in a bad way, completely surprised. I don't think, you know, very rarely in a, when you go and see a concert, in an, like say at the hour or the hour ten mark, someone's going to do something that is totally unexpected and that um, um, comes in and just completely changes the whole show. You know, I mean, I think I think uh, bands just through the sheer excitement of it throw everything that they can, and um, that really after about twenty minutes, you've seen everything that a band which doesn't can do, which I don't think stops the enjoyment of the band. Right, yeah. I mean, you know, like, like some, some, someone like, okay, an example, Sex Pistols, 1975-76, if you saw them very early, they'd come on, and what would they do after 20 minutes that they hadn't already done the first 20 <laughs> yes. minutes? Well, you could say that about the majority of groups. I, I think you're absolutely, I couldn't agree with you more, actually. And after I read that, I started to apply that to mm. going out and seeing groups. And I, you know, I think, I would say, actually, it's, I would say it's a shorter period of time. I, I really, it's, right. it's really five minutes, because in five minutes you can read, firstly, yeah. the visual. Yeah, yeah. If the group members aren't going to change, and that's the bass player, and you're going to mm. get used to what she looks like, mm. and she's mm. going to be there all evening, and mm. there's a guy playing mm. the rhythm guitar, and he might mm. be playing a hammered organ mm. later on, but you've basically got the sense of the, the dynamic. Yeah. The dynamic is the most interesting thing. Is how they work off each other. Who's in charge here? You know, mm. Who's the musical director? Who's the writer? You know, you've got to work out the, the politics, the internal mm. politics of the group. But as you say, you know, actually what they're then going to do is to play a series of songs within that same framework. And the novelty of that framework has gone to some degree. And I I think, you know, I I saw a couple of concerts the other day, which made me, the the Chemical Brothers and Gorillas, both at the Roundhouse, which made me realise how much effort people are now putting into trying to provide some kind of variety and some kind of opposition to precisely the theory yeah. that you've just uh, pointed out. Yeah, yeah. Gorillaz show is just is a sequence of different combinations of people backed by right. gorillas, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and and most of the acts who played at, uh, at Glastonbury recently brought on a special guest. They brought on The right. Edge. They brought on so you think this is a response to, to a perceived... Well, I do. I mean, to be really... amongst the audience. Yeah, to, it's fantastically boring and cliche thing to say, but a lot of it's to do with people's... Um, Ability, to, the, the lot, their loss of patience, you know, and, yeah. and the iPod is very responsible for that. Yeah, yeah. And the ability to click on and off YouTube footage, mm. you know, very, very rarely do people see the whole of a piece of film that somebody yeah, yeah. sent them. They're going to yeah. see just the first ten seconds yeah. and they've got the picture. Yeah. So yeah. I think to, in order to to nail down people's attention and retain it, you have to throw in the most phenomenal amount of fireworks and ingenuity. Yeah, I I agree with you. But when I think back to the first gigs I ever saw, which is going back in, you know, obviously into the Jurassic period, rock and roll, you know, the headliner would play for 20 minutes. Yeah. That was, you know, Chuck Berry would come on and do 20, maybe maybe 25 minutes. But some of the thrill of that was that you had no access to what Chuck Berry really looked like. No, right. You know, the groups I saw when I was, you know, 17 or 18 at rock festivals in the the, the 1970s, I saw groups that I didn't know 
what they looked like. I mm. had heard their music on the John mm. Peel show or something. I mm. couldn't wait to see. I had mm. no visual mm. idea of what... So most of the time you're absorbing visual information yeah. about what Edgar, the Edgar Broughton... Edgar Broughton, like. completely, which that, that, that didn't take me long <laughs> yes. to absorb, actually. Yeah, well, so I went off and had a lot cheese. of hair, a yes. lot of hair, a lot of hair. Oh, and a beard. <laughs> and a beard on drum. Oh, and a captain. Yeah. <laughs> and an Afghan <laughs> coat over here. Yeah. <laughs> a huge, great martial no. staff. So you, it. it's, but it's the same, that, like, going on with that point, it's the same. I saw Bob Dylan in 1978 when he came out. I saw and, that tour, yeah. And he, and he started in, in Japan. Street legal. Yeah, street legal. He went, he went to Japan and then he went to, he came down to Brisbane, was the next show that he, that he did. And he actually did three nights in Brisbane, amazingly. And and Grant and I went along, and like, you know, we're, you know, like 1920. And and he'd done like Rolling Thunder, you know, like the, the lack, of, I, you know, I'm not telling you anything, you know, the complete lack of information at that time. It was the last thing he'd done live was Rolling Thunder. And, and Japan, like, it wasn't Nothing was beamed in from what he'd done in Japan. So we went along. We had no idea. He could, he could have walked on with an acoustic guitar. Completely he could have walked us. on with a reggae band. He could have walked on with a jazz band. You know, you, you just yeah, yeah. rolled up and you had absolutely no idea. And he came on, you know. The gospel singers. Gospel singers. Girls, yeah. You know, sax player. Yeah. You know, like, like you know, a 12-piece, eight, 10-piece band. They were a huge band. And, and, you know, this sort of cabaret I mean, some of it fantastic, but this sort of big cabaret thing, and you just sat there and you see it, and you just took it. You know, it was like an yeah. amazing, and I, and you know, I mean, that uh, you know probably pushed it beyond twenty minutes, which you're going to get get um, in terms of you know um, expectations and surprises. But it, again, it's it plays to lack of information at that time about yeah, what you were going yeah. to see. Now, I want to talk about this person. You, you, you say you're you know you're in a nearly unique position, and being a musician also writes criticism. Mm-hmm. You write for a, an Australian uh, title called The Monthly, I mm-hmm, think, mm-hmm. Um, and some really terrific uh, reviews of records mm-hmm. and so forth. You know, what, what has been surprised you most about kind of going from one side of that process to the other? Because as a musician, you must have thought every time you made a record, well, you know, it isn't reviewed enough or mm-hmm. I haven't got a favourable enough review or mm-hmm. how can those unfeeling bastards, yeah. you know, pass over my <laughs> finest moments or whatever? Yeah. What, what, what has surprised you about being on the other side of the process? Um, oh, gee, that's a good question. Um, I think this is going to be a strange answer, but I'm, I'm surprised how generous I've been. Um, I think if I'd have done it, if I'd have had this position in my 20s, I think it would have been a lot more cut and swathe. I think right. it would have been a lot more, this is the way it should be. I think I would have, would have been wilder. Um, some of it, a lot of it would have been unreadable. Some of it would have just been fireworks. So, you know, And that's the, the thing of which both of you guys did, was, was writing and, and doing stuff in your 20s. And I don't know how, how you're, you're different now. But I came at rock journalism at the age of 47, <coughs> Which meant that I'd I'd seen a lot, and 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 I think it was what my response to getting records was a, lot, a little bit more tempered, and and I, I was, and and this was, was going to be my approach. I didn't want to go in and just you know I had a platform in Australia and I still do where I just slash and burn. You know that's crap, that's crap, that's great. Yeah, yeah. And and so the tone surprised me a little bit. It is you know, I, you know like it's. I like to think, you know, it's generous, it's balanced, and I think that's come with time, and I think that surprised me. But isn't, you see, I, I, that doesn't surprise me at all, actually. And right. I think a lot of that is, I, I've got, I mean, I have four friends who are professional musicians. Right. In my position, I don't go out looking yeah. for friendships mm. with musicians, because mm. it's quite difficult. <laughs> It'll never to, work. It never works. No, it's wise. <laughs> they <laughs> never work. They always want you to write a review yes. of their record, and whatever you say about it, they're miserable. Yeah. Uh, no disrespect to all the people who've written to me, sorry. But those four musicians, I've been out to concerts with them and I've given them records to listen to and they're all, you know, still work very hard and still, you know, on, on the mm. circuit, you know. And it, I find it agonising, actually, mm. watching the agony that they endure when watching those groups and when listening to those groups. I'm exaggerating slightly, but not much, because the way they look at it as a musician mm. is very, very technical. Mm. And, you know, I, I, I'm not a, a musician. If I look at, at music, mm. in, in, in hopefully, in a way that might represent the readership of our magazine mm. and the emotional impact it might mm. have, etc. But a, 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 a musician will look at the chord sequences. They will mm. look at the stagecraft mm. and the theatre and, again, all the dynamics mm. involved. 
And it must be very hard not to be competitive. And I, I, I suspect that you, in your 20s, were just a much more competitive person trying to yeah. make your mark. Yeah, yeah. And now you've had all the success you've mm. had mm. and a very comfortable position you're in. God, mm. I wish there were more musicians like you, actually. Mm. It, it must be easier to just back off. Yes, because interestingly, and, not, and I'm, not, you know, I'm not saying this flatty at all, but uh, Mark and I often talk about this, that the, some of the best music writers in the world are mm. musicians. Mm. Elvis Costello is a brilliant music mm. writer. Incredible music. Mm. Bruce Springsteen Incredible. writes really well mm. about music. Yeah. You re- write mm. really well mm. about yeah. music in a way that critics never do at mm. all, in a totally different way. Mm. But it's a, quite, it's, it's a very rare but breed. all those people have the same thing in common, which is they're extremely confident about the position from which they are yeah. offering this opinion. Yeah. Nobody is calling... <clears> nobody, <throat> Elvis Costello is not, not duking out with these people and trying to belittle them and feeling some sense of envy because they've had more success yeah. than him. You know, he's just applying all that knowledge and wisdom oh. to a different take on music, which is very... But, I, but I think with, like, with Costello and Springsteen... Is also like they're two people that have a love of music as well, and that love is still within them, and and I think that's important as well. Yeah. Well, yeah. Costello wrote a piece for Vanity Fair, which Dave and I still uh, mentioned. Must have been about God, eight or nine years ago now, where he was asked to look yeah, at the twenty-four hour clock. Yeah. You probably read it. Yeah. yeah. Twenty-four hour clock and work out what music worked best at every mm. hour on the 24 uh, clock and why. Mm. It was just the most marvellous thing, because yeah, yeah. it came from a real understanding mm. of, the, of the practical application mm. of music. But yeah. how, how do you deal with the fact that, uh, you know, one of, one of the you know, perpetual frustrations of the, of the reviewer is, is kind of the chore of the, of the job. You know, you've got a pile of CDs. Yeah. And that pile is not getting any smaller, yeah. even though the record yeah. business is going yeah. to hell in a handcart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's getting taller. Yeah. And, you know, I hear more and more records nowadays, and we uh, touched upon this when I talked to Mary Gaucher recently, you know. More and more records are just okay. Yeah, yeah. Because anybody can make a just okay Mm. record nowadays. Mm. Mm. And how do you stop yourself getting really angry about the just okay records? Because those are the ones you want to take it out of. Well, no, I'm, I'm in a lucky position in that I only have to write once a month. And I only have to do one thing. Um, I don't have to do a running commentary on the pop scene, uh, which um, gets me out of that uh, to an extent. Right. Um, but but you know the feeling. You must. Have... Yeah, there there is there is. I luckily I can jump around that and try and pick something out that I like. Um, I you know I'm not, uh, and nor uh, uh, both of you like the you know writing a, a, a weekly column for the Mirror or you know. Or, Daily Mail, where you, you yeah. know, you're having to give a readership a running commentary on the current pop scene. Um, the fact that I, I couldn't do it. And this is when I joined the monthly, I said to them, they, they gave me artistic freedom, and I just said to them, Look, I can't, I'm not going to do the most popular album every month and try and do a running commentary on the current state of pop. Hopefully, with what I write, some of that's mirrored, some of that's seen. You know, um, but that's the best that I can yeah. do. So, just for the people listening who not uh, you know, read any of those comments, give us some examples of things that you've written about, both new music that you're mm. feeling evangelical about, and mm. old music you might have gone back and revisited and saw different. Okay, uh, um, all right. Um, the most, um, some of the most recent things that I've written about is a live review of Vampire Weekend. They played in Brisbane in in May, and I went and saw them. Who are playing at Latitude on Sunday? Right? Yeah, they are. They are, and and which is one of the songs I've covered in the. This is cross promotion. No, that's in, fine. In, in, <laughs> this in, is Vampire Weekend. Yeah, 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 Va- yeah. Vampire Weekend. Yeah. Who I think are an amazing group. Yeah. One, one of I think one of the the best groups that have come through in the last ten years. You know, one of the best three or four to me. Um, I think they're a fantastic band. Um, so I went and saw them play in in May. Um, I then wrote before that. I wrote a review of. The uh, White Stripes DVD. Oh, yeah, wonderful. Uh, um, I'll write something on... Um, I've written things like uh, on the monkeys, who I, I regard highly. Why, why particularly? Because I think they're a great... This was something um, that was asked for... They wanted me to write something for February um, a couple of years ago. And uh, not an easy time to get records to review. You know, like the music business... Well, back then, I mean, now January is a time where everything gets thrown. You know, it's a very popular time now. But back then, it, it, the, uh, the, the world sort of started around February, March, and I had to have something for February, and I said, I'd like to write something on the monkeys, you know, like a, a back thing, you know. And uh, they said, fine. I mean, the monkeys, I just think, are an amazing uh, 
our West Coast pop band. Is that the Monkees themselves or is it their songwriters that you're applauding? Uh, no, no, the, the band. And yeah. I, I think they had access to fantastic songwriters. But then a lot of other bands at that time could have done these songs as well to an extent. But I think, uh, to me, I put the Monkees in with, um, especially the Monkees' third and fourth albums, um, in with, you know, the best of, well, you know, you, uh, to me, you can put those albums beside Love, you can put them beside The, the mm. Birds. I, I think they're... they're a, I see the Monkees to an extent. I know they're a great pop band, but I think they're also an album band. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was it was um, writing about the Monkees, and again, this perhaps could be from a musician's point of view. It wasn't all about um, the fact that they were a manufactured. Yes. Uh, blah blah blah, and go go down that route, which is normally the way the monkeys are approached. Which is a very journalistic point of view. That yeah, yeah, they, yeah. To, to we me, sort groups into into those who are supposed exactly. to be all right. Exactly, exactly. And and it's, it's the cliche is the monkeys the first boy band, isn't it? You know? It is. It's like it Vampire Weekend actually get get very short shrift very often. Yeah, I know, which I find unbelievable yeah. because they're kind of. I think it's largely because they're, they're quite posh, isn't it? Yeah, well, yeah, which see, this is some something that uh, yeah, I'm, I think the Vampire Weekend and their interviews show great patience, you know, to have to put up with this. Um, that they're there's some sort of collegiate, uh, yeah. you know, upper class boys, which they aren't. You know, they've and got, if they were, they're allowed to make records. I know, but it's it's the same thing. <laughs> why didn't they ever go to Genesis? They probably did. I, I, I know, <laughs> but did. it's like you know, they they they've gone to university, which which you know, and it's still this thing where you know, like if you're in a rock and roll band, you've got to look like Ron Wood and have a fag out the side. You know, you know, it's raised that, by wolves. Yeah, you know, it's Ron that, was at Cambridge actually. <laughs> <laughs> he was very quiet about it. <laughs> did great. <laughs> and so. Uh, yeah, I've so been you, writing about you that think thing. you can see past that stuff, and you're, well, you're, yeah, kind of, well, you're hearing the music. Yeah, I am, and and I look at the, I, I listen to the records, and, and I, I like I say with the Monkeys' third and fourth albums, it's the band wrestled control for a start. You know, like the the first two albums, um, they didn't hardly play on, etc. There's a whole story behind the Monkeys, and that they basically hold the whole operation um, to, uh, to to gunpoint basically, and go, we're not going to keep on going. This is Nesmith and Peter Talk. Um, and then go, you know, we're not going to do anything unless we get total control. And basically the the TV show, the record production, everything, they have to give in. And so, and the point that I make in the article is how many bands on full revolution mode in the late 60s would actually hold a whole corporate America to to task and go, we want artistic control. Absolutely, but the, I suppose they didn't have a, a very successful weekly TV series to, <laughs> as collateral. No, no, no. no, no, but no I, I agree with you. But that, and, and so I, I, I hear the, you know, the musicianship, the songwriting, and all of this to me, and, and so I wrote about the monkeys. The lyrics, right. the four kings of EMI sitting stately on yeah. the floor. Uh, well, we were talking about this. The just other work of genius. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the yeah. satire Dolenz. about the. Did he write that? Mickey Dolenz wrote that. Didn't he? He, he. That was the first song. Talcum powder on the letter and the birthday boy is here. It's a brilliant. Yeah, brilliant I know. Song. He 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 wrote that song, and um, that, it was only a single here. It, it wasn't a single in the USA. It's called Randy S- Scouse yeah. Git yeah, over yeah. here. Wasn't or it? alternate title. Or alternate title. Yeah. That's right. Exactly. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I was, that was that one. There is, in yeah. fact, a terrific piece of YouTube of that with Nesmith standing in the background and deliberately looking bored. And, yeah. 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 Playing his guitar at the wrong yeah, time, yeah, yeah. making it clear that he hasn't plugged it in. Mm. So, well, you can read uh, Robert's uh, writing about music in in the Rules of Rock and Roll. Mm. Ten rules, mm. isn't it? The ten rules of rock and roll. Just ten. Just ten, and loads of other writing about music, uh, which is out now in a hardback limited edition um, uh, with uh, an EP containing versions of some of the songs that you. You've written about yes, including in, the Vampire Weekend, including uh, the Vampire Weekend. I've got further questions uh, yeah, 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 go. from from the massive before yeah, you play a tune to play us out. Okay, uh, Pencil Squeezer, strangely enough, wants to know: Do you have any hair care tips for virtually bald men? <laughs> Why would he put that question? Why would question? he put that to you? Um, transparently un- I think you once wrote bald. about hair care. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no. I, I did, I did uh, wrote a... That, that was the uh, my first published piece of journalism for a, a uh, Manchester fanzine called Debris, which I wrote on hair care. Um, hair care. Men's hair care. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. General hair care tip. No, um... Good name for a band, isn't it? Um, general hair care. Um, I'd say to, to this person, there's nothing that... Uh, is it a he? I imagine so. I, I Pencil, Pencil squeezy, you can't tell. Um, Foxy I, lady. He's virtually, <laughs> a, a virtually bald man, so I think fair enough. He's a I, I'd go, it's, um, it's genetic. Right. Um, there's nothing you can really do about that, unfortunately. Um, 
Um, no, I think it's. I think when when it's you're in that condition, with the pencil pusher. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I think it's less about hair for hair products as haircut. Yeah, do you know, do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. So that's Country. what I'd say to this person. I've just been reading Wise words. I've just been reading Andre Agassi's uh, autobiography in which he confesses to various things, one of which was that he wore a toupee during most of it, you know, the height yeah. of his, uh, yeah. his playing career. Yeah, yeah. How did that not come off? Well, like, sure. It's it's like, tape. He had tape. I look at people playing, you know... Uh, Tennis and baseball cap, and I think, how the hell's that staying on? God knows what it's yeah. like. But if you've no, got that's, a that's a really interesting point because I mean, how would you be how would you be confident about charging to the back line for an impossible backhand mm. if you thought at one moment your bonnet's going to slip? Well, you, you just that would be bad. That would, that would throw your <laughs> from the from the stand. Well, you know that's a, you know that's the cross he had to bear. Uh, Drakey girl uh, wants to know what it's like to have a bridge named after your band. This is the go-between bridge, which mm. is. About to be opened, is that right? No, um, it was open last... I actually opened it. In Brisbane? Yeah, last Sunday. Last Uh, Yeah, last Sunday. um, um, No, not yesterday. Smash a bottle of carver against its... No, 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 it was was, uh, the... Uh, pulling of the string, you know, pulling of the cord, oh, okay. um, and the the curtain the, goes back. It's the kind of thing the Queen does six times a day. Yeah, exactly. And and so the the, the, the curtain went um, sideways, and there was the, the plaques were there, and right. I was standing beside the Lord Mayor, former band members, Deputy Mayor, stage, before the bridge, nine o'clock in the morning, media, TV cameras, the whole thing. So and and it, it was it's um it's thrilling. It's uh. My my uh, line on this is is that you know um, you go when you start a band you have various expectations they're going to come your way. This is not one. This is not one of them. <laughs> it's a big bridge. It is actually it's it's um, four lane with um, pedestrian and bikeway. Um, um, original budget three hundred and seventy million came in at three hundred and thirty five million. Wow. I think oh, they're very happy. Good. That's a big and, bridge. It is a big bridge, and it opened on... It was the first inner-city bridge in Brisbane in 40 years, and it opened on last Monday, and it's actually um, exceeded expectations with the amount of cars that have gone over. This is superb, which I'm sure you're taking credit for. Very exciting. It's my bridge. (laughs) I made it happen. So, Robert, can can you play us out with another tune? Why why are you prepared to do that? I'm just going to check with Fraser. Fraser went to see the World Cup final. I did. Which is given to the, the second place... It's won by the second place uh, team, you know, Spain. But you went to see it in an unusual circumstance. I saw it in 3D at the cinema. And how does that work? It was really good for two reasons. One is because there's absolutely no distraction. There's no email pinging in. There's nothing on the stove I've got to watch boiling over. So you've got nothing to do but focus on the screen. So you kind of feel like you're involved in a way that you're generally not. And the second reason is because of the way that 3D technology works. Instead of showing the entire game like they normally would do from the... A gantry point high above the halfway line. They drop the camera to the pitch level half the time. And so you get a much better idea of how fast the game moves yeah, yeah, yeah. and how quickly space and how is... how far they have to kick. And how quickly space yeah. is closed down and how little time the players have got to react and, and choose their options. And it's a, a really so interesting So it's a different experience. experience. Absolutely, and didn't yeah. you say this morning, when you said there's a third fact, you're not hearing a comment, you're not hearing your, you're not having your well, opinion. There's, there's no commentary. There was a commentator, but there was no colour commentary and no pundits. Oh, so you've got okay. an audio, you're being told what's happened, but you're not being... So you're not, you don't hear any opinions. You won't get in the BBC audio, or anything. What like you're not getting is opinion. So you yeah. make your own mind up about the game. They're just telling you who's doing what, rather than yeah. And I, I came out to the, the well, cinema. You, and well, you see, the, the football commentary is it's a story, isn't it, with an illustration. They, they decide on the story, and then the, the action provides the illustration of the story. It's got to have an And they have to, having set their stall out before the game, they have to stick to their opinion and not allow their opinion to be changed. They kept changed saying last night at half-time... Alan well, Hansen. They're saying, I'm sorry, nothing's happened so far. What are you talking about? Loads of things had happened. They just meant no goals had been scored. And so there, they, there was yeah. also the thing where you come out of the cinema and you begin to read reports of the match, and it's all uh, very, very anti-Dutch and anti the physicality. Yeah, yeah. And that wasn't something we'd picked up in the cinema at all. It was a kind of rough game. Yeah, yeah. But you didn't get the feeling it was all the Dutch doing all of the damage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Where was so it? So, go on, yeah. Where was it? It was the Odeon on Shaftesbury Avenue. Right. So and was there many people there? 
It was, it was full, yeah, it was sold out, big oh. screens. So, so oh. you don't dismiss the prospect of... It's uh, the way forward. 3D TV? It's the way forward. Seriously? Well, I don't know about 3D TV. But you're TV. not going to sit in your living room with No, a, with I agree. It's a, at a cinema, oh, it's God. a different experience. Right? Yeah. Oh, well, I shall, I shall if I get the opportunity to do, go do and it, see yeah. one, I'll, I'll do that, because I thought it was a load of old hooey, but clearly not. It. Oh, well, very good. But uh, can I just ask one question of about course. this? You know how there was 3D back in the 50s? Yes, you know. yeah. Or all those pictures where there are people yeah, sitting yeah. in cinemas. How has it, and why has it come back? Well, it's, it's not the same. There was a kind of split between red and green, wasn't it? And everything didn't look quite right. right. This looks very real. It's, it, lo- it looks like well, a, a photograph where you have the precise sharpness of image, but also the depth of field. And in the depth of field, you also have a sharpness of image. So it's so that, very believable. Very well put. I mean, uh, Fraser and I are, are very... Um, are very uh, keen to promote the film Avatar, and I know it got extraordinarily bad notice for the for the plot structure, which is very right. cliché. But if you went to a three D cinema to see this thing, as I, I did, in fact, on my own, I couldn't get anyone to go and see it with me. It is completely mesmerising, isn't it? It's and you're a terrible right, film. You get and a fantastic the whole cinema, the whole depth of field right. in focus, and right. therefore you are mesmerised by a little tiny specks of ash or well, there, was a, there was a wonderful bit at Just the that. end of the uh, presentation ceremony where the, uh, the, the uh, confetti had been shot into the air and it feels like it's spinning gently into the room and you can reach out and grab bits. It's fantastic. It was, it was amazing. Uh, and Avatar has gone back into cinemas. It's going back to cinemas two weeks' time, being relaunched in cinemas, because, of course, that's... Which is great for the cinema industry, having a tough time, because that's the only place you can really see... Well, it's, it's, good, uh, you know, it's commercially driven as much as anything else, because yeah. it's an anti-piracy thing, isn't it? You know, yeah. you, you've got to see it in the right... Circumstances, you can't just your bootleg that you bought at Camden Lock <laughs> of, of Avatar <laughs> yes. with a pair of other sort of uh, Where a bloke gets up in, row in front. That will not deliver the full experience. Trust <laughs> <Right>. me. So, <laughs> before Robert does a tune, I've got to point out that 48 years ago today, the Rolling Stones played their first gig. Wow! wow. At the Marquee Club, and they were called. Do you know how the name was different? No, go on. Rolling apostrophe. Really good. No, no G on the end. So really? Adding that G made all the difference. Yeah, absolutely. It did. Yeah. It did that. That's how changed their careers. Maybe you do a Stones song tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, so, uh, but who was their, who was the, um, their manager? The, Andrew Oldham. And so would he have done the G then? No. And, well, Andrew, no, I think they changed their, they, they put the G on before Andrew Oldham got involved. Was so, Ian Stewart still in the group? Ian they? Stewart was there yeah. and there was, uh, yeah, because it was, it was Brian McKeith. But no Bill, no Charlie. There was another drama. And so Ian Stewart, saddest there. story, I yeah. think, one of the saddest stories. Yeah. In a guy who's told his face doesn't fit. Yeah. And eventually, he just isn't good, good looking enough to be in yeah. the room. So it's eventually plays, if, I, if I'm completely wrong, play behind a curtain. Uh, for about a short tour, didn't he? When uh, people were looking at the stage. You know the story of his face sure not fitting is, You know the story of his face not fitting is literal. Because right. he had he had a, 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 a jaw issue, which right. meant that his jaw grew slightly disproportionately. That's right, it grew outside right. of his sort of desperate down yeah, yeah. appearance, right. you know. And so they definitely decided, you know, because the Rolling Stones, at, at, even at the time, they, they thought were no old paintings, but they thought not Ian. That would <laughs> right. be going too far. Anyway, wonderful. But it looks like Keith Richards now. The question: He once said someone's face didn't fit. He's astonishing. But there we go. <laughs> but do you, do you think that the Stones should have gone out? And done an exile on Main Street, you know the whole set. You know that that sort of what gone now out, you mean gone on tour and you know got back Mick Taylor. That's, that's exactly oh well, what we talked about on this very and, podcast. And Bill Wyman back. Oh uh, well, you see they wouldn't and, do it. And and gone out and say so just done like two or three months and done eg- the whole of exile. Oh, that's exactly wonderful. what we talked about. I have thought of it, it would because I think this has been discussed a great in great depth on the word website. You know, in recent months, yeah. that the golden age of the Rolling Stones was when Mick Taylor was in the group. Yeah, that yeah. if you want it just purely mm. musically, that's yeah. when they rocked yeah. most. Yeah, and it has to be something to do with it. Yeah. You can't replace that kind of thing uh, with Ron. But, but I don't think Keith would mind. I mean, you, you, you know, like if Mick came back for. Mick Taylor came back for a tour. Well, you know, you know, and they wouldn't have to flog it for two years. You know, just do a three, four month well, run. They, they probably wouldn't they have to talk to the each politics. Other. They don't. Oh, do, oh. They don't do little groovy things. No. Do okay. No. No. no, no you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. I'm asking for something the Stones can't do. <laughs> so, Robert, dream old. Your short, your short tour starts. Like all their fans. The short tour starts tomorrow night at the Jazz Cafe, Fourteenth Milton Keynes, and Latitude Rough Trade East on Saturday. We'll put all this on the website. What are you going to play for us? Uh, song called Born to a Family.
born to a family. Family of workers. Born to a family. Of honest workers. Then I came along, golden boy who belonged and changed the system. Of honest workers. I was square in the hall. There was something in my soul. What could I do? Follow the calling. What could I do? Follow the calling. When I was five years old, asked when I'd be old, did I have a plan? But I knew who I am, born to a family. Family of workers, born to a family of honest workers. It's the final one of the World Cup. Yeah, it Congratulations to New Zealand. No, you win the World Cup. It's been too much. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I might move back. This goes to my nervous disposition. Please turn the volume down now, and any small children should be uh, told to block their ears. Here it comes. I thank you all. <laughs> this podcast was brought to you by The Word. Details at wordmagazine.co.uk. This podcast is brought to you by The Word magazine, media partner of Latitude Festival 2010. For more details, go to www.latitudefestival.co.uk. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide.